Now, broadcasting on Star Worldwide Networks, it's time for the Fashion Rewired Broadcast with Brian Hill. During the Fashion Rewired Podcast, we chat with successful fashion designers and business entrepreneurs who share their powerful stories of success while providing real-time industry tips, tools, and actionable strategies to execute today with the goal of designing our listeners' brands for success. Now, here's your host, Brian Hill. Welcome to Fashion Rewired. I'm your host, Brian Hill, self-taught designer and executive director of Phoenix Fashion Week. So why is it important to rewire? Well, I believe that every successful fashion designer and entrepreneur at one time or another made the smart and necessary decision to rewire their brain, their attitude, but most importantly, their actions to get them to the current level of success. Each week, I get to share stories of transformation with our listeners while giving you the blueprint to rewire. I love to open each episode by thanking the sponsors that believe in Fashion Rewired. The Phoenix Fashion Week Freelance Program. While building Phoenix Fashion Week into an effective fashion industry resource, we have been asked time and time again to recommend the services of our teammates and associates. So the natural next step has been to organize a system and network of fashion professionals that we could vouch for in the marketplace. The Phoenix Fashion Week Freelance Program is open to anyone needing fashion design, hairstyling, sales representation, photography, graphic design, web design, marketing, social media, styling, makeup artists, accessory design, videography, modeling, PR, event planning, and consulting. For more information, please email freelance at phoenixfashionweek.com. My next guest hails from Los Angeles, California. Suzanne Vinick has captivated audiences around the globe and has been recognized as one of the most influential women in classical music. She's a leading soprano opera singer, having performed throughout Italy and at the Pittsburgh Opera, Florida Grand Opera, Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, and is an alumnus of the Opera Studio di Accademia Nationale in Rome, Italy. Suzanne is a community engagement leader, photographer, and now successful fashion designer. With a bachelor's degree in vocal performance from Texas Christian University, Suzanne's natural love of fashion and a desire to create her dream job inspired her to launch by Vinick, a women's wear brand ethically manufactured in the United States and worn globally by the biggest names in classical music, Broadway, and TV. Wow. Suzanne, I needed an actual voice just to share all those accolades. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try to be humble. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> How did you do all these things? I mean, I've been, I've been a performer since I was eight years old, performing professionally on the Las Vegas Strip, where I'm originally from. Mm-hmm. So I've always, I've always been very dedicated and very driven to anything and everything that I'm doing. And I always want, I've always wanted to be the best at what I'm doing. So with that comes, you know, determination and it, it, it comes hard work. Right, right, right. Um, can you give us a fun fashion fact of Suzanne Vinnick, like what are you known for personally in fashion? I think I'm always known for just wearing things that are not what people would expect to wear. <laughs> and then when people see, when people see things on me, they're like, Oh wow. Like that's like, I, I would never have put those, those pieces together, but it totally makes sense. Oh, okay, like good. when I used to do, when I used to do like my opera auditions, I would come in and I'd be wearing very different clothing than what, our industry kind of prescribed to us like back in you know the 2000s we were told we had to wear these awful Ralph Lauren jewel tone jersey wrap dresses and that was just never my style (laughs) so I would come in and I would be wearing like I'd be wearing pants like who thought being a woman like wearing pants is revolutionary right right Um, (laughs) 
I would mix, you know, elements of vintage and, um, you know, just different colors and things that patterns, things that excited me. So I think that's my uh, personal style that nobody would expect. Right, right. I have a friend who's also an opera singer and also instructor, and uh, she also has a bit of style about her. So I could see the style oozing out of you when you go into these auditions. That's, that's pretty cool. But if nothing else, they said she looks good and sounds good. Well, thank you. Yeah, you, you got it. So obviously there's a lot of things that are driving you today, um, man, from you know, your educational background to um, music to fashion and just being a community person. But, but if you had to like name one thing, what drives Suzanne Vinnick today, do you think? Honestly, I think, I think passion is what drives me. Like I know that sounds really cliche, but anything that I'm doing is going to be the thing that I'm focusing on, even though I've done... I've been a professional opera singer for many, many years. I've done photography. I and I now have this clothing line. Like I, I would say, anything that I'm doing is is what I'm the most passionate about. It's like I wake up each day. I have a goal. I set out to achieve it. I do not quit until I've gotten there. And that's you know that's just like that's how I operate. Right. Right. So I imagine when you're going from photography to music to opera to Italy to Vegas, uh, a bunch of rewires where you've gone different directions. But this this most recent rewire to get into the fashion game, can you tell us about why that happened? Uh, well, prior to launching my clothing line, I had started another business uh, called Shopratic, where it was this community that I grew on social media with 10,000 female opera singers. Um, and in that community, I started renting the gowns that I would wear to sing in. And from there that evolved to my colleagues asking me like, Hey, Suzanne, like I have this photo shoot or I have this concert or I have this interview and I need to, I need an outfit for it. And you're so good at doing this. Like, could you help me find something? Mm -hmm. And from there I began sourcing fashion for different people. And then I launched, um, my own vintage clothing business, luxury resale. Mm -hmm. And I was really, I was really in that resale mode and I was doing it while I was singing, like while I'd be on gigs, I'd be out sourcing and be out, you know, setting up appointments with people all over the world, wherever I was performing between my rehearsals and between performances, <laughs> going out and finding really, really cool pieces for people, whether it was private appointments, or I was scouring thrift stores, mm -hmm. or I was looking at local boutiques and just meeting people. Um, and so from there, I would post them to this Facebook group. And after a while, it was just like, okay, like I think we need a website. So <laughs> I built a peer, -to I built a peer-to-peer -peer, um, marketplace, which had almost, I think there were over 900 vendors at one point. Wow. Um, had over $400,000 in transactions that went through that supported the opera singers in our community who were starting and launching businesses on this platform. Sure. Um, we, we hired some very unscrupulous web developers who destroyed our website oh, no. and destroyed our database. So we never were able to get it back up and running um, without like a huge influx of cash and, you know, me going out and raising a bunch of money, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. I didn't really want to do because I didn't, I didn't want to give away my vision to somebody else and, and have somebody else driving my business. Sure. So from there, I just decided, you know what, like, I'm not completely fulfilled with my opera career. I'm not completely like 
this other thing is just like, I, I don't even know where to begin again. My business partner decided to pursue a different business and to, to, you know, go off and do her own thing. And she got married and it was all great. We were still great friends, mm-hmm. but it was that moment where I was like, okay, like I need to do something else. And so I had been working with another designer in Los Angeles on some of his pieces and collaborating with him and selling them to my customers and clientele. And he said to me, like, you know, maybe you should launch your own clothing line. Like, you're really good at this. Like, anytime we do a drop, the pieces sell out. Like, mm-hmm. you really have you really have an eye for this, and you really you really know what your people want and right. what they want of you, and you know how to market it, and you know how to get it sold. Which you know, most designers they don't know they don't know the first thing about sales. Right. So, right. and they don't want to, and they don't want to know. <laughs> unfortunately, no. They want, they want to stay creative, um, but uh, we are, we're the business of fashion in this podcast, so that's, that's awesome. So you've got um, a colleague. Uh, he kind of tells you what you already knew, but he puts it in public space that you are talented in what you, your eye, your vision, marketing, placement. Obviously, we know you know how to style, so it starts to become an idea for a business. Is, is that correct? Yeah. It was just, it was a very organic thing that happened because it was, you know, at first I was working on pieces for his line and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, like I'm in the driver's seat. Like these are the pieces that I want to create. These are, I was referencing pieces that I had, you know, sold that were vintage. I was referencing costumes that I'd worn on stage. Mm-hmm. I've been referencing just all these different facets of my life from, you know, being a child performer when I was eight years old on the Las Vegas Strip to, you know, singing for the Queen of Norway. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. all of those, all of those things. Wow. They, they all, I've, I'm able to draw from every experience that I've ever had as a performer and to really curate and to really design pieces that are wearable, beautiful, ethically made, um, and really just create the business of my dreams and the, the clothing line that I want to wear. Right. Well, I, I love it when I talk to designers that um, when, when, they, when the brand takes on their name, like Vinick, right? And it, it's good because it's really a compilation of your entire life, all your travels, and you're putting into this one clothing line. And I think it makes a lot of sense that it's called that. And I, I love when I get that backstory. It's, it's actually called By Vinick. <laughs> what the? Okay, I'm going to go with that. By Vinick. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's the entire time I'm saying Vinick. By Vinick, you guys. Thank you for that. So no it's an, this entire time when you take on um, your life, right? And you make this brand. Now you're going to give your dream job, which is giving things that aren't in the marketplace, um, styled your exact way. And it's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. So when you made up your mind to really do this, I want to talk about that first step. The first step that said, okay, I'm going to do this, this brand, Vivenic. So I think my first step was just deciding to go for it. Um, I... I had just left a, an abusive marriage. I moved from New York to LA and I was between LA and Las Vegas for, you know, quite a bit of time. And I still go back and forth, but haven't as much because of the, the pandemic, but it was really deciding like, okay, I'm going to do this. And it was making that initial investment in my textiles, in my patterns, testing things out, um, it was really like deciding what I was going to do with the money that I did have, which wasn't very much. And I basically gambled my rent check on my first production run. And I, 
it was like a, a make it or break it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, you made the right decision by Vinick for sure. Uh, decided to go for it. So obviously, when you when you gambled that rent check and you put it into production, um, what happened second? I mean, you were happy that it worked, but but what was really that second kind of step after that first production ran went well? Uh, well, I mean, I did a second production run and that sold out within 48 hours. And I was just like, okay, like I'm on to something. Mm-hmm. And so at first I thought I was going to be doing all like bespoke one of a kind pieces. And then eventually I came to realize like that wasn't necessarily a, a sustainable business model for me because I was constantly having to basically reinvent the wheel. Like, you know, every few weeks it was, it was, um, it was, it was tedious. Um, while I still do a lot of bespoke pieces and I still do some one of a kind pieces, I decided that I needed to create several, several styles and then be able to offer them in different colors and prints because, you know, that we love the most, we tend to get more than one of mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because they fit well or they're comfortable. And I realized that through patterns and through um, different prints and different textiles, like I could really explore what I was doing and I could really grow, grow what I was doing by using what I had and making, making more of them. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It, it does. So you, so you had to uh, figure out your unique business model. And mm-hmm. like, like you said, once someone loves something, they'll get it in, in multiple colorways. Uh, I, I love that. Because I think when you start a brand, you can be like everybody else, but you've got to figure out that middle ground that's going to be different. And that's what you did there. So you decided to go for it. And then you sell out uh, the first couple collections. Uh, bravo for that. And then you start to figure out how can I position this um, brand so that I'm a little bit different and then offering these different colorways so people can buy multiples. Like I like that, um, tapping the uh, well multiple times. Uh, what do you think the third step was um, that took you towards your level of success today, Suzanne? I think it's been being being forefront with my brand, being the face of my brand, mm-hmm. um, being present every single day on social media, being somebody that my customers and my clientele can reach out to directly to, or, you know, there's one person away from me. They, they will reach out to sometimes my assistant and, you know, learn more about my brand and what I do that way. Um, every piece in my collection is named after a woman who inspires me. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of those have been my, my colleagues from singing and my, um, my friends who are in the performing arts. So it's been really, it's been really fun this past year since, since the pandemic, when I decided like, Hey, I need to, uh, I need to grow my business outside of the people that I already know. It's been really interesting having some of these new people who are new to buy Vinick mm-hmm. coming to my brand and saying like, uh, why is this name Janae? Or why is this name? Citro? <laughs> like, what are, what is, what's the meaning behind these names of these pieces? Right. And from there, I'm able to send videos of many of my, my colleagues, and I'm able to like give them the experience of knowing who these opera singers are. Some of them are not the most famous opera singers. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very well known. And it's giving that platform to not only my customers and my clientele, um, the experience of opera, but it's also just share something and to share the stories of women who inspire me and women who have supported my business with, with others. 
Right. Well, we always talk about leveraging your network and uh, you did that 100%. Like I've never heard of such a narrow niche in the beginning, especially that you were just um, operating with opera singers. Uh, so smart. Um, and I, I love that. And I love that they're probably all so happy that they can still work with you and you have this new brand by Vinick and they're just like, that's, that's still us. It's really um, powered by an opera singer um, in our, in our, in our circle, in our collection, in our community. I think that is uh, super unique. And I can't wait to talk to my friend off this uh, podcast and get her. She might be a client already as I think about it because she's pretty stylish like you. She, she, she probably <laughs> is. I mean, there's, there's over 10,000 um, female identifying or I mean, I wouldn't even say female identifying. There's, there's 10,000 women in opera who are, are members of my social media community, Shopperatic, and who also follow me on Instagram as well at Bivenek. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. So when you come up with these uh, these action steps, right, to launch this brand, you've been, you know, you get burned by, you know, some some bad people in the web business and it happens in business sometimes, but you got tougher, right? Um, you just kept going, you went for it, and now you've got this great brand by Vinick and you're doing the right thing, uh, you know, ethically sourced and manufactured in the United States. And it's just really, really good in downtown Los Angeles, by the way. And talk about after you do these actions, there's some natural habits that, nat- that come out of everyone's kind of uh, rewire. What are some of the habits that you now live by that continue to help Bivenic succeed? I think for me, it's being consistent. And it's really, like, I always say this, it's, it's showing up every single day for my brand. Like, I am very hands-on with my business. Like, every aspect of my business I am in control of, um, whether it's, you know, managing the production runs, uh, packaging up the orders and shipping them off, mm-hmm. uh, communicating with my with my clientele, doing live sales on social media, um, you know, writing silly newsletters from mm-hmm. time to time. Like it's it's you know it's putting myself out there. It's you know doing photo shoots to show people what the pieces look like and whether I'm photographing other people or I'm being photographed myself. I think. I really, I really believe that the reason why I've been successful with my clothing line is because I show up and because I am present in, in every facet of my business. And I know keen, I'm keenly aware of what's going on at every stage from sourcing the fabrics to, you know, shipping them off to my customers. Right, right, right. Wow. I love the hands-on approach. Um, you're probably giving personal notes to people as well, and they can't even believe that they're really dealing with you direct uh, as the designer. Uh, I think that's also super unique. And how, how do you do it? <laughs> how do you find the time? We're doing an early podcast right now in L.A. Uh, are you getting any sleep? Uh, you know, it's uh, I'm somebody who, who is uh, known for napping and known for being a sleeper. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> I mean, it's just being an opera singer, I've, I've always been used to working really hard and to, you know, going at a moment's notice. So it's the, the only really difference is, is that now that I'm on the West Coast, I'm still keeping East Coast hours, mm-hmm. but I'm also keeping West Coast hours as well. So that's, that's the challenge. It's like starting my day every day at 7 a.m., you know, getting my social media posts out there, engaging with... Um, you know, people, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, responding to customer service emails in the morning or, you know, setting up with my assistant and be like, this is what we need to get done for the day. And just really being able to just 
kind of have a schedule, but be flexible enough to where I can still get other things done. Right, right. Makes sense. So you've got these great habits, uh, being consistent, showing up every day, being present. Love that. Anyone can follow that little deal there. Can you tie in your biggest accomplishment since you launched by Vinick that really was because of these habits that you formed? I mean, it's not anything that I would say is really even remark. It's not remarkable in that it's a one thing that happened. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that I've been able to stay open during this pandemic when so many businesses are shutting down, like I've been able to grow my audience. I've been able to expand beyond just my niche within classical music and, you know, people who are in the arts. Mm-hmm. I've, I've really, I've really taken a conscious effort to grow my business and to reach out to people that wouldn't know me otherwise. Right. And it's really, you know, it's, it's been that aspect of really focusing on social media and really focusing on new ways to connect with people who, who would be into what I'm doing. It's, you know, the plus size community, whether it's, the mid-sized community, whether it's, you know, women who love wearing super colorful pieces, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. people who support ethical fashion and sustainably made fashion. It's really being able to find those other, those other pockets and really explore them and, and do it in a genuine and authentic way. Um, so I would say my biggest accomplishment has been, you know, growing my business during this pandemic and and not sacrificing the ethics behind my business for it. Right, right. Um, thriving during the pandemic is for sure the biggest accomplishment of anyone. So you should be very proud and bravo for making that happen. But I like that you've tapped into other pockets and marketplaces that, like you said, people that who wouldn't know you um, and then doing it authentically, right? and transparently, but you're also making such high quality apparel that it speaks for itself. But I, I love that you're going outside your comfort zone, so to speak, of maybe opera and getting into these uh, other markets. And it seems like it's working really well. Oh, totally. I mean, most of my, most of my, my customers are not one-time customers. Like they, they purchase from me again and again and again. And my brand becomes part of who they are, which is, I, I don't think a lot of, you know, other brands that are sold in big, big box stores or department stores or, you know, a lot of these well-known brands, I don't think that, they're, that their clientele are, like, fans of what these brands are. Like, they, they don't, it's, it's not part of who they are. Right. Which I think by being, by being still, you know, a small, a small business, like, I think people can really rally behind seeing, seeing a woman like myself who has done other things who, you know, this being of a fashion designer was not my dream growing up, like singing opera was. And I think then seeing the evolution that you can change your mind, you can do other things just because you wanted to do one thing doesn't mean you have to stick with that. I think, I think it's really inspired other, other artists to pursue, to pursue passions outside of, you know, maybe the thing that they went to school for the thing that they've devoted their life to and being able to accept that they can do something else besides that. Right, right, right. Uh, a great perspective um, that people should definitely try to adopt, you know? Um, believe it or not, we're getting close to what we like to call the Garment District, which is going to be right up your alley. Rapid fire questions to dig into the business side of Bivinic. Are you ready for that? Sure. All right, hang on one sec. Fact. Each season, Phoenix Fashion Week turns away hundreds of emerging fashion designers that apply for the live designer boot camp. This year, we created the six-week-long Digital Designer Bootcamp. 
who are merging fashion talent from around the world and from the comfort of their own home via mobile, laptop, or desktop will follow a structured curriculum online focused on the very important business side of their fashion brands. In a short six weeks, the fashion experts will teach, transform, and lay out the blueprint to build and run a successful fashion brand for 2021 and beyond. To apply, email digital at phoenixfashionweek.com. And we're back, Fashion Rewired, the podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hill. I'm on with Suzanne Vinick of the brand by Vinick, Los Angeles-based, ethically manufactured in the United States. She's doing amazing designs, former still singing opera and soprano, by the way. And we've been learning how to run an individual brand. Um, she started early on the uh, streets of Las Vegas as a young entertainer. And so, Suzanne, we'd like to talk about wholesale and retail, okay? Um, would you say that okay. the brand by Vinick is either wholesale, which means you're selling to stores and distributors and big box stores, things like that, or is it a direct consumer play, which would be retail? It's a direct consumer business. Excellent. Excellent. I love, I love talking about this. We want to talk about being a direct consumer. Um, you take a hands-on approach. Uh, people feel like can really touch you. And I, I think that's really unique when you talk about direct to consumer, but how do you do it? How do you succeed in a retail play? Like give us some of the uh, secrets that really work for you guys. I think what really works for me, it's, it's showing it's again, I keep saying it like a broken record. It's showing up every day for my people on social media. It's mm-hmm. making myself known. It's being of my brand, whether it's in my, my marketing campaigns or, you know, being the photographer, taking the photos of, of models of different sizes, ages, ethnicities, and really allowing my customers to, to feel like they are part of this brand. They are part of what, what drives this business because mm-hmm. in essence they are. Right. Right. Um, I'm writing that down, making sure you're, your clients feel like they're part of the business. That's really, really good. That's, that's gold right there. Um, social media wise, um, everyone is on 5 million platforms, but what's the most successful social media platform for by Vinick? Um, I would say it's, it's both Facebook with my, with my Facebook group, mm-hmm. Shopperatic. And I would also say it is Instagram as well, where I, attra- where I've attracted new clientele. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then your approach to both of those uh, platforms, is it the same? It's being consistent. It's showing up every day for the Facebook group, right? And then also on Instagram, obviously showing up every day. Uh, With Instagram, it's a little bit different because I feel like it's not, you can't reach as many, you can reach more people, but it's not as targeted because Mm -hmm. the algorithm, they, you know, they want you to spend money. They want you to buy ads. So it's (laughs) really... It's, it's really like tapping into different hashtags, really being specific with who you're looking for and like who these people are, like who your ideal customer is, and then going out and finding them and complimenting them and really like supporting them as people. And then eventually they realize, oh, hey, you're a clothing brand. Like what you do is cool too. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's different than I would say Facebook where the people already know me and they know how to find me. Mm-hmm. Um, with Instagram, I mean, I have, I'm not somebody who has a huge following. I'm not buying fake followers. I'm not using bots. Mm-hmm. Everything is done organically. So it's, you know, it's just really how to, how to reach new people and how to be consistent in continuing those relationships and growing them beyond. Because as a direct consumer business, it's all about connections. It's all about 
people telling other people or people asking them on the street, hey, what is that? Like, I've never seen something like that before. And then being able to say, hey, it's by Vinick. You should go and support this opera singer turned fashion designer. And <laughs> it's, it's that. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I love that you said use of hashtags, um, find out who your ideal customer is, go and find them and support them, compliment them. And then sooner or later, they're going to know that you're a designer and you make amazing apparel. But you're giving first in that relationship. Totally. Totally. Like, because with so much of social media, I see people just buying followers and like doing it in just like very fake ways. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. why would you do that? Why why would you spend money on that? Like when you can actually reach real people and you can like not do something for vanity, you can do something with purpose and with, and with cause and with ethos behind it. Right, right. Man, this is good. This is really good. Well, you and I connected that way, right? Um, in working with your PR uh, director, Katie, she's been so personal, so e- extension of you, right? Uh, to get to here, and I see you run your business the same way. So that's, that's really fun. When you, when you talk about a business resource um, within Bivinic, um, the one that, that drives the most sales, um, people have resources like some would say word of mouth. Some might say my Excel spreadsheet, my Square app. But what business resource do you feel brings in the most sales for Bivinic? Um, For me, I would say, I mean, before, for a year into my business, I didn't have a website. Mm-hmm. It was all just like people DMing me saying, hey, want this. So I would say the biggest, the biggest tool for me has been just being available on social media. And then, you know, eventually launching my website using Shopify, mm-hmm. uh, which has been great. Also doing live sales on my, on the different platforms, collaborating with other sellers of things. Um, like this month I'm doing a mystery box with another fellow opera singer who created a candle line that has been, you know, really, really well received within the operatic community. Mm-hmm. And it's really supporting other businesses and collaborating with other people. Even if it's not something that's like, that you would say like, oh, these two things make sense together. It's, <laughs> it's really just, it's really just being collaborative and, and using my network to, to reach more people and to, to let more people know not only about fashion, but about the performing arts. Right. Well, again, it goes back to what you've been doing in, from day one. Um, you leaned on your market and because you like to wear things that people wouldn't put together until they see it on you and it works, you're doing the same thing by mixing um, media and mixing people and then it comes out to be a good recipe. I love that. And then live sales online. I <laughs> love that. And then uh, getting the website and you're using Shopify, which is you know, growing like, like, like wildfire. And I'm assuming you built that Shopify site yourself. If I know you. Um, I, for, I hired somebody to do it and then they were like, Oh, I have family stuff going on. So it was just like, okay, I guess this is another thing I have to figure out how to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew like, it. I'm like, is this the greatest website on planet Earth? Probably not, but it's very hands-on. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. I mean, plenty of people are going to shop it. I'm going to send you at least one client today. My producer, Robin, is already excited. Um, she can't sing. She wants to know, can you help her have a better voice? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, anybody can develop the the talent that they, that they have. It takes a lot of, not something that's going to come, you know, in a, in a two minute podcast recording, <laughs> but, um, you know, I could refer her to some wonderful voice teachers, I'm sure in your community who would be able to 
teach her how to sing operatically. All right. And she said, at least I can wear it and look like I sing opera. I was like, okay, there we go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, do you have any time in your hands um, to read any books or articles or visit different sites? Who inspires you or what are you reading to be inspired? Well, I, I love history. I love history. Okay. I love, maybe that's like being an opera singer. Like I love looking to the past. Like when I was singing opera, I think the thing that excited me the most about a new role was like doing that character study and figuring out what happened when the composer was writing it, what was happening during the time the libretto was set. Like who were these people? And I think with my, with my fashion brand, I've met as well. Like I, I love going down these rabbit holes where I will like hear something on like uh like I love dressed podcasts. Like that's one of my favorite podcasts. It's like the yeah. only one that I really listen to consistently. I usually like save them up and if I have like a big car trip, like a big road trip, mm-hmm. I, I'll just binge and listen to them for hours on end. Right. And then afterwards, like I like make notes of like, oh, this sounds really cool. Like, oh, maybe I should look at this. And, you know, I have like on my Instagram, like I have like a whole tab of things that I've saved that are just like historical fashion. And I go down these rabbit holes and like, I'll watch YouTube videos. I'll like look at a designer's every collection they ever did. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like it's a lot of just like going down very bizarre rabbit holes um, and, you know, using Instagram, YouTube, YouTube. Wikipedia, mm-hmm. you know, Google image searches and just like really learning as much as I can. Um, just about a, a wide variety of random things. Got it. Got it. Wikipedia, uh, the dress podcast and, and you love history. Who are you following on Instagram? I mean, I would say I'm following a lot of my, my customers and my clientele. Like okay. I, I really try not to follow like big brands mm-hmm. because I really want my pieces to be unique and authentic. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I follow, of course, like business of fashion, um, mm-hmm. you know, the CFDA, like I follow a lot of the bigger ones. And then if there's something that pops up on my feed, you know, of course I'll click it mm-hmm. and, you know, add that to my, add that to my little saved, my little saved folder to go back to. And then when I have some downtime, I, I go on my rabbit hole adventures. <laughs> got it. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us why is it important for someone to rewire? Do you think Suzanne? Well, for me, you know, being a, an opera singer, it's like it's constantly living gig to gig. So like, you know, the payouts, a lot of the times would be great. Some of these gigs were, pardon my language, shit. Um, and so it was just like constantly, like if, if I got sick, I could have rehearsed for six weeks for a show. And if I can't get on the stage and perform, I'm not getting paid for anything I had done previously. Like you only get paid for the performance. You don't get paid for the rehearsal. Wow. Um, so I think for me, when I was creating my clothing line and having had the experience with the peer to peer, uh, fashion platform where I wasn't, I was working really, really hard, but I wasn't really getting much from it financially. Mm-hmm. I think it was really coming to terms with the fact that like I needed to price my pieces to where I could, where I could make money and I could live my life, I could pay my bills without having to constantly at the end of the month, sell everything that I owned, mm-hmm. um, you know, or like stay at my parents' house or Airbnb and like go and stay somewhere else. Like it, that was, that was no longer something that I could, I could do. Right. Um, right. Like that, that whole like starving artist 
even though I was very successful in my field, like any opera singer will tell you, like, you know, we have to pay our union. We have to pay our agent. We have to pay for a lot of the times for our travel. Mm-hmm. We have to pay there's for, you know, $200 voice lessons for an hour time, mm-hmm. like an hour's worth of time. It's like, there were so many expenses. And finally I just said, you know what, what is my hour worth? What do I need to pay all of my bills? And, and I was, I was using the profit first method where like you have the multiple bank accounts, you set up the different, like you figure out what each item actually costs to make it. Mm-hmm. And it was being really honest with myself and saying, okay, well, this is what I need to live, but also what do the people making need to make to live? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was being comfortable with, with those expenses too. And like doing something where it's not just about me, it's about my team as well. It's about, you know, being able to pay my assistant, being able to bring somebody on like Katie who can, you know, go out and search for other opportunities for me mm-hmm. um, to talk about my brand. You know, it's, it's being able to take care of other people as well. Not just this is all, this business is all about me. It's, there's at least five or six other people that, that benefit and that are working for my company. Wow. That's good for you. In some way or shape. A living wage for manufactured apparel in the United States. Uh, that is commendable. And I like that you care about team first and while living your dream, right? You create your own dream job, which I love that, that quote. We're going to put that into your promo when we get people excited about you. Um, what are you excited about for 2021? I think the thing that I'm most excited about, it's, it's hope. Like it's, you know, 2020, it was like we weren't going anywhere. We weren't doing anything. And while 2021, we're like, okay, like we're still doing this. I think that there's, I think that there's maybe some light at the end of, I say maybe, because <laughs> I've learned never to, to, to put anything in, in firm writing. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's, is having that, that hope that, you know, maybe everything that we've been through, like maybe something more beautiful can come out of this experience. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll think, maybe my consumers will think more about who's making their clothes. Um, what businesses they're supporting, what's important to them. Um, so I think that's like really what's my inspiration for 2021 and what's driving me. Wow. That is, I love it. Can I be along for the ride? You sure can. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> so how can our listeners find you online and how can they contact you? They can contact, they can slide into my DMs. They can reach out to me at byvinick, B Y. V is in Victor, I-N-N-I-K. There's no C in my last name. Um, have them send me a DM. Like, have them comment. I'll comment back on their on their posts. Like, I love, I love meeting new people who love fashion. I love meeting other people within the fashion industry, other designers, photographers, stylists, um, in addition to people who, who may want to wear my pieces as well. Awesome. We have a lot of people in our community that fit that bill. So as always on Fashion Rewired, you can upload a free blueprint of our guest today, Suzanne Vinnick of By Vinnick, the brand. It's a rewire, right? So you can follow her one, two, three action steps or simply be inspired by what Suzanne has built. So go to Instagram at Fashion Rewired, shoot me a DM and I'll send you her free blueprint. Suzanne, thanks so much for today. How'd you enjoy it? I had a great time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And we're out. Thank you for joining us for our weekly 30-minute podcast focused on the business of fashion. 
Fashion Rewired is all about the successful transformation of your mind, perspective, and daily approach to your fashion brand. Make sure you listen next week for the Fashion Rewired podcast with Brian Hill.